Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. Welcome, Fight Fans, to the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 129. We're here once again. My name is Felipe Leon from Southern California, and with us from the North, uh, from the Bay Area, Northern California, is none other than Mrs. Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Hi, everybody. Good, good. And somewhere on the 10, I don't know what highway you're on, David, but somewhere on there is Mr. David Avila. How are you doing, David? Very good, very good. Hi, everybody. So Mr. David Avila on a rush had a pullover, but that's how dedicated he is to this show <laughs> and to talk about female boxing. So we're here to talk about what we saw in the last couple of weeks and what is coming up in the in the next couple of weeks, and also some fight chatter that has happened recently in the female boxing world. So let's jump right into it and go into the fight results on Friday, June 24th. Somewhat of a small upset in Buenos Aires, Argentina, when the local Laura Esquiret, undefeated, uh, got a split decision over Mexican Maribel Ramirez to capture the super flyweight WBA title. Scores there were 99-91 and 98 92 uh, for Les Curat, and then there was a 96-94 for Maribel Ramirez. So the Argentinians, I mean, I think that next to the Mexicans, the Argentinians are are, 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 are uh, actually next, right on par with them, are a pretty strong uh, group of women coming uh, mm-hmm. coming up in the female boxing world, Lupe. How do you, how do you feel about that? I feel the same way. Every they have fights over there every weekend, and they're True. all really. I mean, they're comp- they're competitive, and they have a lot of. Um, I noticed like the the South American titles, and they have titles that you never really heard of. Um, I also noticed that uh, they're starting to showcase their amateurs on certain pro pro sites, and, and which is really good to see. So at the world champion, you know, they're just really showing what they have out there. And they have, like, they have a nice talent coming out. Just like how I always say in the U.S., we have this next generation that come in, that's coming out. It's going to be insane because they have it all. But it seems like the same thing's going for Argentina and Mexico. So this whole generation is really shining. David, do you think that how strong they are comes from the fact that the Argentinian boxing community or the TV networks and everything have really, you know, supported female boxing for a long time. I mean, we've seen La Tigresa Cuña come out of there. We've seen La Locomotora Oliveros come out of there. We've seen Tutti Bob coming out of there. We've seen um, Erika Farias recently come out of there. I mean, not recently, but for a while. Those are those are Argentinian fighters that have been supported by the boxing community, at least in Argentina, and their TV networks, they fought on TV various times in that country. Do you think that is why they are so strong right now at, on the world stage? Yeah, no doubt. I think, uh, you know, they put in the work for many years, uh, usually unnoticed, but now that the international scene is growing, people are starting to take notice of Argentina too and not leaving them out of the conversation. I mean, just looking at the at the different weight classes and their and the champions. I mean, at light flyweight, we have Evelyn Bermudez. Um, she's the IBF and WBO champion. She's from Argentina. In the flyweight division, we have Leonela Paola Yudica and Gabriela Celeste Alaniz, who just captured the WBO title at 13 and 0. That was back in June 18th, and those both women are from Argentina. Um, at Super Flyweight, we got the new champ for the WBA, 7-0 in three knockouts, Clara Lescurat. And we have Micaela Lujan, who is the IBF champion, also from Argentina. Um, at Bantamweight, it's, there's no Argentinians there. At Super Bantamweight, um, 
there's no Argentina. So they kind of like slowed down in, in the in the uh, in the little bit heavier weight classes, but they do they don't have champions, but they do have contenders or prospects at at the other weight classes, including you know Erika Farias, who has been a champion, I believe, at 140 and 135. Um, and then we have all the other women who have come up and fought in England recently, uh, Bustos and and uh, who else? I forgot their names off the top of my head. But, you know, the Argentinians are pretty strong as far as on the world stage and probably like 140 and lower. So it, those are the – but especially between like 108 and 115, 118, those are the ones to look at. And actually, you know, Evelyn's sister, Daniela Bermudez, had a baby – and I'm sure she's on her way back, and she's really somebody to reckon with at, at 118. So we'll see when she comes back on the stage. And on Saturday, June 25th, from San Antonio, Texas, on The Zone, we saw Jessica McCaskill uh, win a TKO, uh, take a TKO win over WBA mandatory challenger Alma Ibarra from Mexico in a scheduled 10-rounder. Uh, that was at welterweight. And with that win, Jessica McCaskill uh, defense or WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO titles. David, what did you see in that fight from McCaskill? Um, well, she's just a better athlete, you know. It's one of the things that people disregard. Uh, they say, well, they don't like her style or the way she fights, but she is a very good athlete. She has uh, great reflexes. Um, she's strong, very strong. That That's probably her main strength. Uh, in as a boxer is her strength, and um, she knows how to fight. I mean, she, people fail to remember that she can fight different styles. She just hasn't shown that style in a while since uh, she fought um, Cecilia Brakus uh, those two times, and then these last two times she's fought this same style. But she can box too. She can box, and uh, she, she's pretty varied. She's pretty varied. Loopy. You know, I, I was actually watching it again before we jumped on, and um, you know, I I didn't I saw a lot of criticism about how wild she was. I didn't see her so wild. I saw her just really aggressive. Um, I, I trying to figure out when Alma lost her confidence because it's not like Alma was getting. She had a few hits in there, and Alma's a big, strong girl. And I it was playing that last round. Like, when did she? lose confidence and not want to continue. And do we know, and there's also been a couple of different things said about, or what was being said in the corner. I want to know if you guys actually know exactly what was being said in the corner, because some people are saying, no, 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 I want to go home, and no, 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 I want to fight. Um, one thing I noticed about um, Jessica, when she threw Alma down in the third, it, she kind of gave something away, and she's been working some MMA, I think. So that's probably going to be in her future as well. Yeah. But if you um, guys can clar clarify what was being said in the corner exactly. Well, what I saw, what it looks like is that her corner was trying to convince her to come out and 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 um and you know go out for the for the next round, and it looks like Alma Ibarra was refusing because she she stated that that McCaskill was repeatedly giving her rabbit punches so when her corner was trying to convince her to come out she said no i want to go back home with with you know i want to go come home come back alive with my kid her son who is a i think a hemophiliac he can't um mm -hmm. he can't uh conjugate conjugate or how does he say that hurts blood you know it doesn't if he gets cut then I mean, he can be in trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, so I believe that's what actually happened. Days later, Alma Ibarra put out a statement and then deleted it, I believe, from her social media. But in that statement, she, meant she, she announced her retirement from professional boxing. And she mentioned how many years she had dedicated to the sport. We know, do know about her that she was in the Mexican amateur uh, team, that she had been kidnapped at one point prior to a, a, a big amateur fight in Mexico, uh, I think because somehow, I don't know if her opponent, you know, paid to, 
to get her kidnapped, but somebody that wanted her opponent to win had her kidnapped and she was not able to perform in, in that fight. So she had gone through a lot, mentioning her son and, and the problem that he has or the, the disease that he has. And she mentioned that prior to this fight, um, she had she had been dealing with some mental mental uh, health issues. She didn't mention what. Mm-hmm. She didn't mention to what degree. But um, what I do know, just from talking to people, is that after her last fight, was, which was in La Paz, back, I think, in April, she had actually retired from, from boxing. She had mentioned that she had told some people that I, in the know that she wasn't going to box and that she was done. And she didn't think that she was going to get the opportunity against McCaskill. She got it. I'm sure that that purse helped. Um, I don't know how much the purse was, but I'm sure it was a good amount and helped her convince her to give it one more shot. But I think that, in my opinion, this is just me talking, I think that she was pretty much done before she even stepped into that ring, Um, unfortunately for her, because she has dedicated uh, a major part of her life to – to the boxing, but going back to McCaskill, McCaskill, you know, David mentioned she's athletic, mentioned that she could box. We haven't seen really the boxing side. Maybe the last time that we saw her box was against Erika Farias back in yes. 2019, you know. But other than that, I mean, we've seen her mock Cecilia Breakhouse in two fights. We've seen her, you know, take, you know, be very aggressive against Candy White and kind of Mahler as well, and then Alma Ibarra. But one thing about McCaskill is that she has not fought, she has not lost since 2017 when she dropped a unanimous decision, uh, a pretty wide unanimous decision uh, in 2017, late 2017. Scores there were 98, 91, 97, 92, and 97, 92. And Taylor had a point deducted for holding in the seventh round. But after that, she has gone on a seventh win tear. Uh, defeating the Argentinian Erika Anabella Farias in 2018, Anaí Esther Sanchez, and then Erika Erika Anabel Farias, and then obviously the two fights that really put her on the map. The two, the majority decision over Cecilia Breakhouse in in the in summer of 2020, and then in the spring of 2021 against Cecilia Breakhouse, and then she defended all of her titles against Candy Wyatt in December 2001 and now at 2022. Now she has mentioned and her team has mentioned that she will not fight at welterweight anymore. No word if she's going to vacate the titles. At one point, if she doesn't fight at welterweight, she is going to need to vacate the titles, but that her next fight is going to be at 140 where she has not fought since 2019, the rematch against Erika Farias. Not that she has weighed much more than that in her welterweight fights in the first Cecilia Breakhouse fight she weighed 144 and a quarter um was that a a, a catch weight David at 145 against Breakhouse no, no okay because no. Breakhouse weighed at 145 she weighed 145 and then in the rematch she weighed 144 and a half McCaskill did yeah. um and Breakhouse weighed 145 and then against um against Candy Wyatt was her heaviest at 146 and a quarter at least in this in this last tear, and then um, and then against Alma Ibarra, she weighed one forty four. David, do you have any indication or any word that she's going to be vacating those titles? Uh, no, I haven't heard at all. I've, I've uh, tried to to uh, reach reach out to them, but they haven't uh, answered back. Um, I think um, I mean it's possible she could still retain the welterweight title and fight for super lightweight. I mean, it's been done before with Clarissa and others. So, I mean, even uh, uh, Tank Davis did it. So it, it's possible. All you got to do is reach out to the organization, say, I'm going to drop down to fight the super lightweight, but I'm going to keep my welterweight title. Um, they can do that. It's not uh, forbidden to do that. Now, Lupi, do you? Go ahead, yeah. Lupi. Go ahead. I was going to – do you think that they could the, – their team could be doing that – to make way for um, Summer Lynn, who's Rick Ramos's gal, who's seven and zero as a welter. I mean, maybe mm, their plans. I mean, I mean, it could be a plan, but I think Summer Lynn is a little bit away from from fighting for a world title. Plus, 
I mean, she might be a little bit away, maybe a year. I mean, she's fighting, I think, in at the end of July against Crystal Morales, who shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, if, Chris, if Summerlin is who they say she is, she should be able to take care of Summerlin fairly quick. I mean, a Crystal Morales fairly quickly, because Morales is, even though she's a, a tough fighter and she's very experienced, she's 9-11 with one draw, two knockouts, uh, but she's really a lightweight. She's fought at lightweight yeah. for the majority of mm-hmm. her career. And she her last fight was in the in the spring of two thousand twenty one where she lost in Jalisco, Mexico for the vacant w- women's international boxing association mm-hmm. world lightweight title, even though she weighed at one thirty five yeah, one thirty five and a half. Um mm-hmm. and she had not fought she had not fought since 2015 prior to that. So Crystal Morales has had a very... She hasn't really been acting since 2013 because she fought four times in 2013 and then she only fought again in 2015 and then she had a fight last year in 2021 and now she's fighting again against Summer Lynn at Welterweight on July, 30, on July 30th at the Crypto Arena here in Los Angeles. Some kind of... Uh, uh, influencer, YouTube dudes fighting, and then they're having some pro fights there. I'm not really, don't know really what's going on there, but she is, they haven't scheduled to fight there. So I think that if they're making way for Summerlin, I think it's a little way off. And then plus, I don't think that they would face Chris uh, Summerlin against McCaskill. So they, she would have to vacate all those titles and then, and then Summerlin fight for one of the vacant ones if she's up to it. Or if somebody else wins mm-hmm. them, and then she's going to have to challenge. So I don't think that's the actual plan plan because they can't really hand yeah. over the the titles to Summerlin. But, Lupi, what I was going to ask you was, you know, now that she's going down to 140, a lot of people are mentioning that the fight to see, and I believe it's the fight to make at 140, it's against Chantel Cameron from the U.K. And now with the announcement that Callie Reese is going to be – you know, featured and starring in a HBO series along with Jodie Foster, True Detective, which is pretty impressive if you're talking about acting, that you're going to be acting, um, you know, across Academy Award winner Jodie Foster. Um, what's going on with Callie Reese? Is she going to fight again? I mean, they did that, you know, that unofficial <laughs> tournament, and you know, and the final was Chantel Cameron against Callie Reese. Callie Reese has gone on record to say that she was having some kind of health issues, even though she didn't go on record uh-huh. to say what they were, which is fine. I mean, that's her prerogative, it's her personal information. But now that she's being, you know, that she's going to be starring on this HBO series, have you heard from her or have you heard something or seen something where she's going to vacate those titles? Because the last time that she fought was, I would believe, over a year ago. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about vacating. I, I know it was all the talk about about Chantel versus Callie, and then that died down, and everyone was wondering what was going on, and then she finally had said, you know, that she had some health issues. Before that, they uh, – well, I, I actually was, spoke to her. Okay. And she, told, and she told me that she is going to stay in boxing. She's going to be doing the show, but she's still resuming the, the boxing career. And she didn't After the show. indicate she was giving up those titles either. Well, where does the WBA and the WBO fit? You know, I mean, the WBO it doesn't really matter. They don't. Uh, before I go into that rant, um, the WBA, the WBO. The last time she defended the titles was she defended her WBA title back in November 19, 2001, against Jessica Camara, and then she captured the WBO. Uh, super lightweight title in that fight with the split decision. Uh, and that was like the semifinal for um, that tournament with Chantel Cameron defeating um, Mary McGee for the IBF title. And she had the WBC title. So where does the WBA fit? Not that the WBA is much better than the WBO because um, the WBO really doesn't have, they don't have ratings. We know that. And they don't really look for it to have a, a challenge or a mandatory challenger because unless somebody comes out of the woodwork and tells the WBO, hey, I want to challenge for that. I want to fight for the WBO title. 
then they would probably strip um if she hasn't defended it they would probably strip uh, uh Reese and have him fight but if nobody raises their hand or makes an effort I don't think I think they let her keep it and as far as the WBA they just published their June 30 on June 30th they just published their their ladies their ladies rankings of of uh, female rankings and at super lightweight they have calories as a champion which is right but they have Melissa St. Ville as a number ranked 140 pounder. I mean, hmm. David, does that sound to you that they're updating the rankings when Melissa St. Ville is their number one ranked 140 pounder? Oh, jeez. Well, didn't she fight recently? Um, no, she had a couple of fights and then they were they didn't happen. Well, yeah, well, that you can't blame her for that. And the last happened. time that she fought, well, it's not her fault. I'm not, I'm not putting yeah. any fault on Melissa St. Ville. Yeah, but I don't understand how Melissa St. Ville is the number one ranked WBA light welterweight when the last time she's fought, she fought 133 pounds. She's never fought at <laughs> light welterweight or even close. She's never even fought over 135 pounds. Oh, actually, one time. Actually, one time... Back in 2018, she fought at 142. But other than that, and, or, and back in 2013, she fought at 142 as well. And in 2014, she fought at 137. But, I mean, and, that's, and when she made her pro debut, she fought at 139. So, but I just don't understand these rankings, you know. And if you go into, I mean, we could all agree that female boxing in this year, and maybe last year, and maybe in the last five years, has really stepped up. They're being, they're being, you know, featured on major networks. You know, the Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano fight earlier this year at the end of April has been one of the best and one of the most attended and and the one one of the most talked about female fights. No, not female fights this year. So why wouldn't we want to believe that? At least three, because the WBO doesn't really care. But at least the three remaining sanctioning bodies care enough to actually update their rankings on a monthly on a monthly basis. True. I mean, is that is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You, you gotta have to care. <laughs> you gotta have to care enough. You know, they uh, they were real strict when it came to the flyweights. Well, at flyweight, I mean, I, well, let's see. At flyweight, they have the number one, Eva Guzman, who we're going to talk about a little bit. We could, they got number two, Sulem Urbina. They got number three, Jennifer Mesa, who, who have you guys? I mean, I never heard of Jennifer Mesa. Jennifer Mesa, five and three. Wow. Their number, their number three ranked flyweight is a is a is a five and three fighter from Argentina, and their number four fighter is Naoko Fuyoka. Okay, and then and then at number six they have Isabel Millan who has announced her retirement. At number eight they have Ava Knight who we don't know if she's fighting or not. And then at number nine they have Aralene Muncino, but then they have other, I mean, fighters that Niorquis Carrino. Let's see who Niorquis Carrino is. <laughs> Niorquis Carrino, twenty-three and three. Oh wow, pretty from Venezuela, so that's impressive. Even though her last fight was at 122 and three quarters, and we're look and we're talking about the flight weight division, the rankings, so really not that impressive uh, as far as the rankings concerned. So I can't even go through these because then I'll just spend all day here. Um, so like <laughs> at light at light flight weight, they do have their super champion Jessica Neri Platas. They have their regular champion Maria no champion in Reese is Maria Guadalupe Bautista, and then they have Sandra Robles ranked number eight from Tijuana who hasn't fought in over a year is pregnant, even though she hasn't announced, she announced her pregnancy in her Facebook, but, uh, but not, not so much for the WBA to know that, but, and then they don't have nobody rated at number one. They have their number one is, is vacant. Annabelle Ortiz is their number two who's fighting at straw weight. Number three is Maria Salinas who last fought at flyweight. So, 
it's all it's i mean that's what i mean it's the the rankings are unbelievable i mean they don't they can't take the time to actually like go on box rec and do a little research and 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 give some some you know logical rankings you know so i don't know i mean that's me going a little bit of rant which i usually do with the uh with the sanctioning bodies um you know let me go on another rant because I just read this today. And Lupe, that has nothing to do with it, though, even though you're a part of that panel. But the Ring magazine today, or a couple of days ago, put out an article stating that they did some changes in their super middleweight, um, in their super middleweight uh, five. Because the Ring magazine, they ranked, they ranked five fighters in each division. And just on, on the, uh, in the, in the, uh, just to keep it out and open, David and I and Lupe were part of that panel, but then David and I excused ourselves from the panel and and um, Lupe remained. But they announced that they took out Emma Cozen. They took out Emma Cozen from the rankings because she had not fought at at that weight in a while. The last time that she fought at super middleweight, was in 2019, and they added Raquel Miller. But Raquel Miller has not fought at super middleweight since 2016. So hmm. how does that make sense? They take out a fighter because she hasn't fought at 168, but they, they, they put at number five, they put a fighter who has not fought at 168 for a longer period of time? Her last fight was at 171. What's that? To me, it was just filling the spot. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it'll get her to uh, fight somebody, but if she's not fighting where she belongs, she's not going to fight here. Well, they did rank. They did. They, she, she is fighting, Um, I think, in August. They just announced that she's fighting in August on a Marv Nation fight card in um. <laughs> On a, on a Marvin Nation fight card in August here in Santa California. And this is no knock on Raquel Miller because she is a former interim champion and, you know, she's doing whatever she's doing. And her last fight was at 171 um, back in December. Wow, that was back in December. I went to that fight. And I, I, it seems, I didn't know it was that long ago. I mean, it's been six months. Um, but she's really campaigning at 153 to 160. It's just when I read that article, it just didn't it didn't make sense. And I, actually, I don't tend to read the articles, but it, it, the title was interesting enough for me to jump on there. So let's go to our fight chatter fairly quickly here. This week, the official announcement of an all-female card scheduled for Saturday, September 10th at the O2 Arena in London, England was made. The card will be headlined by the middleweight unification fight between unified world champion Clarissa Shields and WBO world champion Savannah Marshall. In the co-main, the unified super featherweight world champion Mikael M. Mayer will take on the WBC world champion Alicia Baumgartner. The fight card will be broadcast live in the United States on ESPN. More details to come. The, the actual promoter of the card is Boxer, which is a fairly newish promoter out of the UK, obviously also in association with Salido Promotions, who is the promoter of um, Clarissa Shields. David, you were on the... Uh, on the uh, press conference zoom i believe what did you hear what did you think of this fight card and what did you think of those two fights and what do you think of the fact that we have you know savannah marshall who is basically a fighter that fights on boxer or on sky in the uk we got clarissa shields who you know if you want to you want to tie her to a network it would be showtime even though she hasn't fought there in a while alicia baumgartner who is a matchroom boxing fighter um who is tied on to the zone and Michaela Mayer on ESPN, um, who is a ESPN top-ranked fighter. What do you think of them actually all putting it all together and having this kind of fight card uh, set for September 10th? It's really amazing because when it comes to the men, man, nobody nobody mm -hmm. gives in with the men. You can't get a fighter from PBS to fight Golden Boy or top rank uh, because of the rival networks and this. Nobody gives in. But in this instance, they all gave in. They all said, yeah. okay, we'll all fight on your network. Let's do it. They didn't care. They didn't squabble. They just said, yeah, let's do it. How, what do we need to do? And they did it. Uh, I, I kind of give that to the women 
the women seem to, to be more unified. All they care about is making sure that they're seen. And mm-hmm. because of that, they agree to everything, you know. They just want women's boxing to succeed. And they do whatever it takes, you know. And I, I like that about about the women uh, prize fighters. It's 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 remarkable to see because it's it uh, that's what you need for the sport to grow. You need uh, cooperation and willingness to get uh, to give in, you know, to give in. And and I was uh, surprised that uh, the comments they made. They, I mean, they attacked each other a little bit here and there, and which is expected. Mm-hmm. But all in all, they they're they're pretty. Uh, Impressive. I mean, they told me that it's going to be a good show. I mean, all the fighters are, are really gung ho. It's not just talk. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be a is we'll see if it, if it rivals uh, Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor. That's hard to do though. <laughs> that was a magnificent fight card. Before before move on to Lupi's opinion, you mentioned that they had a or that you think that they had to give certain things or or give in certain things to be able to put this whole fight card together with different fighters from different promoters and TV networks. What do you think some of the things that they had to give up um, to be able to do it? I mean, one of them is pretty, pretty apparent is that they have to go over to England to have the fight. I mean, Clarissa Shields is the unified yeah. world champion, but she has to go to the home, well, not the home co- town because the you know, Savannah Marshall's hometown is Newcastle, and they're going to be fighting in London, but she has to go to their home country. One thing that Savannah Marshall mentioned in the press conference is the reason they have to do that is because Clarissa Shields is not a big ticket seller in the United States, at least compared to Savannah Marshall and the type of crowds that they can put together over in England, even though um, we were able to see a, a big crowd at the Madison Square Garden for Katie Taylor and Savannah and I mean Amanda Serrano and Michaela Mayer, even though you know she's kind of in a better spot because she's going over to London, but she's not fighting a local fighter. She's fighting Alicia Baumgartner. So if there's gonna be, you know, it's a neutral site. It's a neutral. You know, both of them are American and they're fighting in a neutral. So nobody has a home court advantage there, but Savannah Marshall does over Clarissa Shields. So besides the location and having to go to England to do the fight. What are the caveats do you think they had to give into or give up to be able to make this fight card? Um, I think uh, one of the, well, the main thing was the networks. Who's going to show it? Mm. I think uh, that's one of the primary concerns. Who's paying for it? I think what happened is that each kind of gave in uh, and and is paying for their fighters. And that's what I'm I'm looking at. I haven't actually investigated that to see who's paying who. But it seems like, you know, that's part of the the uh, the concern, the business part. And then uh, the ticket sellers, yeah, uh, most people in the U.S., there's so many distractions. We have so many sports, so many entertainment things going on. And in Great Britain, all they got is soccer <laughs> to contend with. That's it. And so there's, you know, soccer and boxing. They have other sports, but they're not huge. Like, um, so they don't have that much to, to compete against. So it's easier to sell tickets there. Kind of like Texas. Texas sells a lot of tickets in boxing because there ain't nothing else to do when football <laughs> season is over. So they sell tickets to boxing in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's the same same scenario. So that part is understood why they went over there to, to uh, put on a boxing event. And Clarissa just wants to fight. She doesn't care whatever it took to get Savannah Marshall to sign on the dotted line, she did. And I don't think she cared. Lupi, were you surprised when it was announced that ESPN would be the broadcaster, at least in the United States, of this fight card and not I mean, at least I was, and not the zone, which has Alicia Baumgartner. And if we're going to go with both networks and just kind of like compare them, 
Matchroom ha- is the one, I mean, not Matchroom, the Zone is the one that has really supported female boxing in the last two or three years. I mean, Top Rank has two. I mean, not so much Top Rank, but ESPN, they put on female fights. They put on Michaela Mayer's fights. They put on those uh, Kim Clavel fight when she fought uh, on the ESPN network. But, I mean, the Zone's support of female boxing is way beyond what Top Rank, I mean, not Top Rank, but ESPN has done uh, recently. Were you surprised that ESPN is going to be the actual broadcast in the United States and not the Zone? A little bit, but then I thought it's free, right? It's not ESPN Plus. Is it ESPN? David, do you know more eyeballs? I'm not sure, but I don't think it's more eyeballs. That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, even if it's a free But even if it's a free ESPN. They all need each other. Yeah. But even if it's that free ESPN, I mean, that's going to be pretty good because it's going to be during the day because it's coming over from England. So usually the shows from England start like around 11 um, and they end around two or three if they put on four or five fights. So it's going to be during the day, even on September 10th. It's not going to be prime time at night. True. Now, is there any indication of how many fights they're actually going to be broadcasting on ESPN? No, they haven't said anything. All they said was the four. Not four fights, but those four fighters. Did they say the undercard was going to be all female? Yes. And a mix? Okay. Yeah, they, yeah that women. doesn't really matter to me if they mix it. I mean, they should mix it or all-female. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, you guys, it was really exciting, you know, to have Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. And at first I was like, they should have Michaela and Alicia up there too. But then they had the Zoom. You know, Clarissa, she's really like um, – she's changing and maturing. You know, she's still intense and she still talks a little trash, but she's not – I like the way she handled herself at the press conference. I think she was a little intimidating, straight with the facts. You know, um, Savannah Marshall, more proper, you know, not so much of a trash talker. Um, You know, I was kind of bummed out that Alicia Bumgarner didn't show up, and I was kind of wondering why until she tweeted afterwards, because I was listening to Michaela, and Michaela always speaks so well, and she talks talks pretty good, a pretty good game. But Alicia came out of the gym, I guess, and she goes, I'm I'm out of the gym. What did I miss? And then people Mm -hmm. were like, you missed a lot. So, I mean, is, is that the reason why she didn't show up to the Zoom call? I think she should have been on that, even though people were like, well, it's just a Zoom call. But it's a kickoff, and we were all, like, whipped up about it. So I think she should have showed up. Does anybody know if that's really why she didn't show up? Because that's what I saw her no. doing, that she was at the game. No, I was told that she had problems getting in, just like I did. Hmm. They had a really bad setup on Zoom. Uh, they, I don't know how anybody got in because uh, I tried several times getting in, uh, called the, the uh, promoters, and they suggested this, and that didn't work. And it was really a mess. And Usually Zoom's pretty easy when they send you a link, you press it, and you're in. Well, this one, they asked for a password and an email and all this stuff, and if it didn't work, it didn't work, and you're stuck. Hmm. Well, yeah. she did they allow the Go ahead, Lupita. What's that? Go ahead, Lupita. She should have tweeted Michaela so Mika- and said, hey, I can't get in because Michaela would respond. Yeah, but that's not, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the know. enemy. Yeah. And especially <laughs> them two, especially them two who have, who have really been going at it. And Mayor, and Mayor is already planting the seeds and paving the way <laughs> to a certain extent for a, for a clash against McCaskill. I don't know the full details because I don't really like getting into the, a lot of the gossip, but I guess McCaskill was on some kind of interview and they did some kind of word association. And when they me- mentioned mayor, I don't know what she responded. What did she respond? Do you know, Lupi? No, I don't. Um, Where did you see I guess, that? I, I saw I, And then I guess, I guess mayor took offense to what she had responded. I think she responded something – Something about her skill, and Mayer came back and and kind of uh, 
and kind of, uh, you know, told her what her pedigree was and, and et cetera, et cetera, and gave McCaskill a new nickname, calling her McNoskill, you know? So uh, Mayer is really paving the way to, to – and then she's, got, she's gone back and forth a little bit with McCaskill's team. So um, she's really paving the way there for a fight in the future, which she has stated that she is going to be moving up probably by the end of the year. She did mention that after fighting Alicia Baumgartner and obviously coming up victorious as she expects to, she expects to, that she's going to give either the WBA or Hume Choi a little bit of time to either strip in the case of the WBA, Hume Choi of the WBA title or for Hume Choi to accept the fight against her so she could unify the whole division, but she mentioned that she's not going to be held up by human Choi because true to the fact that she's speaking, we don't know where human Choi is at. She was, she was fighting. She was training in the U S she was fighting and all of a sudden she's gone. We don't know what she's doing. She, she does post every once in a while, some, some like modeling pictures on, on, uh, on, on her social media, but I never even seen her post something of her fighting. She hasn't fought since September of 2021 um, in Korea. And she fought in the United States back in December, 2020. So she only had one fight in 2019, only one fight in 2018. So again, the WBA not making their world champions defense against mandatory challengers, at least the WBA. So, um, so that's what Michaela Mayer said. And, you know, she's at 130. She says she wants to move up to 135. And then eventually, if McCaskill's at 140, maybe they could face each other there. So we'll see if that is the case. We're going to keep an eye on this fight card, which can be one of the best as far as female boxing in, in the year. I agree with you, David. It's going to be very, very tough. Even though they're they're promoting the... Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall fight as the most anticipated female boxing match in history, I think. But I don't think that is the fact. I think that Katie Taylor, Savannah Marshall, I mean, Amanda Serrano was the most anticipated fight in female mm-hmm. boxing in recent years. Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, even though it's a very interesting fight, it's a, you know, there is the story there that Savannah Marshall is the only fighter to ever defeat Clarissa Shields. Shields, I don't think it helps, Lupi, that Shields kind of downgrades that loss that it happened so long ago that she was only 17 because that's the only reason that makes it interesting is that Savannah Marshall beat her, you know, and that if she could do it again. And if Clarissa Shields downgrades or downplays that fact, it doesn't really push the narrative that it's the most anticipated fight in recent years. Do you, do you agree with me or disagree? Yeah, I agree with that because that is the reason. Because people wouldn't really know Savannah over here unless you say, yeah, that's the one who beat Clarissa and the amateurs. Then people are like, oh, then they know. So you're right. That does, that is the selling point. Yeah, so we'll oh, keep an eye on. Going back to Natasha, she said right. of Mayer, unimpressive, unimproving. So there you go. That's what yeah. she, when she did the word association, and that's when Mayer took offense and, you know, when clap back as the young kids say on Twitter and then um <laughs> or do they still say that? I don't know. I know that they used to say that. I don't know if they still say that. And then uh <laughs> I don't know. And then uh um and then came up with the Mc skill uh nickname for her. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And I'm really excited to see what the other fight cards I mean David just to end this topic and move on, do you think there's enough money left to Put on, you know, interesting fights, or you think it's going to be uh, uh, an array of, of maybe up and coming prospects from from England or nearby, so that way they don't have to spend more money on travel or something like that. That's a good question. That really is. Uh, I have no idea at the moment. Um, Ginny Fuchs was know mentioned. By next week. Excuse me. Ginny Fuchs was mentioned. Um, wow. Well, see, that's a, I mean that's a that's a does she who who does she train with because if she trains with Al with, with Coach Al which I don't know if she does 
but then that's one more flight because the team's already there for Mayer. Because I would imagine that these all these four women, Mayer, Baumgartner, Shields, and, and Marshall, are probably getting paid career-high uh, paychecks. So, you know, I think that's a pretty expensive card there with those two fights for them to be able to bring in more Americans or more fighters from this part of the world over to to England. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that and see what uh, what transpires as far as the other fights fights to be put on that fight card. Although not announced, battle fight between WBC and WBA flyweight world champion Marlene Esparza versus Venezuela's Eva Guzman is scheduled on BoxRec for Saturday, August 6th in San Antonio, Texas. Guzman is considered Esparza's mandatory under the WBA rules. Go figure. The fight is set for the same night as the rematch between strawweight world champion Sinise Estrada against Annabel Ortiz. David, putting them on the same fight card, if these two fights do come to fruition, well, Sinise Estrada and Annabel Ortiz seems like it's a, it's a set thing, but the fact that Esparza has not been announced against Guzman, but if they do come to fruition, do you think that Golden Boy is marinating the rematch between Estrada and Esparza? Uh, almost definitely. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, no, almost definitely. That seems to be the case that they're they're pre- prepping everybody for the uh, part two war. Um, that makes sense. It makes sense to do because, for one thing, uh, we don't know if Marlon uh, can make 112 anymore. I, I'm not. I'm just saying this. I don't know, you know. But you know, maybe she wants to move up at 115. Who knows? But that is a much lighter fighter, so I don't think she would want to go up to 115. Uh, that's the only reason I say that. Maybe because of that. What do you think? What do you think about the reason of putting them on the same card, Lupi, on August 6th in San Antonio, Texas? Well, it gets them um, back out. It gets them a paycheck, payday, and it does. It it gets everybody thinking about Sinisa and Marlene because that, that's, that's the fight that everybody wants to see. Now, just to uh, to to talk about Eva Guzman, she's 19-1 and one with one draw. They call her La Ley, which is the law in Spanish. She's 29 years old, a southpaw from Venezuela, 411 and a half, so almost five feet, whereas Marlene Esparza is 5'3", so she's going to have uh, nearly a four-inch uh, uh, advantage in height, reach for Marlene Esparza is 64 inches. Um, there's no reach uh, for, for Eva Guzman, but she has, she has fought most of her career in Venezuela with a couple of fights here and there in um, Panama, she has one loss against Deborah Rengifo back in 2016, but looking at her record, it's going to be a big step up for Guzman because the only fighter that she has ever fought, listen to this, the only fighter that she's ever fought, actually, well, two fighters that she's, no, well, actually, I'm sorry, she's fought three fighters with winning records. Okay, in her whole career, in 19, in 22, in 21 fights, she has 11 knockouts. She's only fought two fighters three times with winning records. She fought Deborah Rengifo back in 2015 when Rengifo was 6-1, and one and they fought to a draw. And then in her next fight, it was the rematch where Deborah Rengifo had a record of 6-2, and two, and she lost that fight. Okay, and then years later... In 2021, she fought Isabel Millan, who was 29-6 and six with one draw and scored a unanimous decision. And those are the only three, two fighters, three times that she has fought with winning records. So, and that, was, that fight was in Mexico. She went, actually traveled to Mexico and fought Isabel Millan. Not to take anything away from her, but, you know, maybe the opposition in Venezuela is very scarce. And she's built up a great record, 19 and one. But that is a fighter that we need to actually go on and and do a little bit of research and see if there's a little bit of video and see if if how her skills look because she is going to be facing a 2012 bronze medalist at the at the London Olympics in Marlene Esparza and a two 
uh, two title world champion. You know, she has a WBC and WBA titles. So that is fight is tentatively scheduled, I would say, for Saturday, August 6th, and set for July 29th in Costa Rica. Southern California's Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz will challenge for the second time uh, interim WBC Super Flyweight Champion Sonia Osorio of Mexico City. Their first fight took place in the spring of 2021, ending in an annual contest after Osorio suffered a cut over her left eye due to an accidental headbutt in the first round. The fight was stopped in the second. This is a fight I'm very uh, interested in. It's going to be out of Costa Rica. Uh, hopefully it gets streamed um, in the United States on the internet or something like that. The first fight was uh, it's actually pay-per-view on like fightnight.tv or something like that, which I actually ended up buying. So this is a good fight. Uh, I think it's one of the best fights that we're going to see this year. Um, if it does happen yeah. and there's no, uh, uh, you know, setbacks. So La Cobra, what's that? I said if they let him fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if, and if there's no problem, there's no setbacks, there's no uh, uh, injuries. So, Moving on to is upcoming this Marv Nation too? Yeah, is Marv, that Nation Marv Nation. Is, Marv Nation is going to yeah, be. Yeah, because they, they usually have it on their Marv Nation's YouTube. Yeah, so that if if that is the case, we'll we'll I will check on that and we'll um we'll mention it on the next show, which is scheduled for July twentieth. Our upcoming calendar is very sparse. There's not a lot in the next couple of weeks. We have Saturday, July ninth, this Saturday from London, the Zone Ramla Ali with trainer Manny Robles will be in London facing August. Now, I mean, let me check because, um, you know, usually I, I say that Argentinians have, the way you could turn Argentinians because they have three names. Well, this young lady, she's from, I guess right, Argentina. She has four names, <laughs> Agustina Marisa Belén Rojas. <laughs> Six and one, no knockouts, never been stopped, and she's going to be taking the five and zero with one knockout, Ramla Ali, in a six rounder at 122 pounds. And this is a very good fight. Um, you know, a five and zero against a six and one, uh, England uh, by way of Mogadishu, Somalia for Rama Ali and Agustina Marisa Belén Rojas from Monte Grande. Buenos Aires, Argentina. So usually when you get an Argentinian and English fighter there because of their history, um, you get a pretty good fight. So that's going to be this Saturday, July 9th from London on The Zone. And on Friday, July 15th in Germany, Ramona Graef, 3-0, will take on Ali Sanchez, 17-7 and with one draw and a 10-rounder for the vacant WBA gold 130-pound title. So uh, with nothing left to say, uh, Mr. David Avila, Mrs. Lupe Gutierrez, myself, Felipe Leon. This has been the two-minute round, the hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. We'll be back on July 20th. We bid you good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, good night. everybody. In the ring. Uh-